Welcome to Changing Reels, a podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time. My name is Courtney Small. I write about film for several publications, including ThatShelf.com, where the show was hosted, and Cinema Access, to name a few. I'm also the co-host of the podcast Frameline. Today, I'm joined by musician Scott Kanoff. Scott burst onto the rap scene under the moniker Atheist with his 2012 debut, Thanks for the Burgers. In 2013, he dropped two brilliant works, the Roger EP and the album Topanga. In 2016, he blessed us with the album Gnarly under the new name Rhyme Time. That album also features the hit Run So Far, which if you're a regular listener to the show, you will recognize because it's our theme song. Aside from being featured in several publications, including Salt Lake City Weekly, he's also a member of the group House of Lewis and is currently recording his latest album. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm good. Love that intro. I was like, look at all I've done. I didn't even talk about Rhyme Time Television and a bunch of your other side projects. Yeah, we'll get into the battling too. I don't know how you find the time to do everything that you do, but I'm, I'm constantly amazed by the, the works that you, you put out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Our main film for today is the 2018 battle rap comedy Bodied, directed by Joseph Kahn, written by Canadian Alex Larson, who became a household name in the battle rap scene under the name Kid Twist and produced by Eminem. The film follows a graduate student named Adam who is working on a thesis paper about the use of the N-word in battle rap. After spending some time with his rap idol, Ben Grimm, Adam slowly finds himself being lured into the creativity and fame that comes with rap music. However, Adam fails to realize that there are consequences to your words. Scott, do you want to kick us off with a few words on your initial thoughts on this film? Yeah, it was really interesting. I had a couple connections to the movie when I first saw it. So the guy who plays uh, in real life, his name is Walter Perez, and he plays Shea Corleone. So he's somebody I know from back in my screenwriting days. He was an actor in the movie Fame, the Fame remake. And he was in this director's other movie, Detention. And I was writing some scripts for him. This is probably now eight years ago. But I've always like followed his career. When he puts something out, I'll go check it out because he's a great guy. And we went to Sundance together. And so I heard he was coming out with a new movie about battle rap and that's right up my alley. Amazing. Also, um, there's so many rap battle cameos in this. And so I was watching for people I had battled and there's a rapper named Thesaurus at the end and I battled him maybe my first time rapping in public and I got bodied. And then he became the two-time world champion of everything. That's like his slogan. So at least I lost to the best. So it was great. And it was, as far as a movie, it's a little messy, a little unbalanced. But for me specifically, uh, I had a great time watching it again. Yeah, this is one that I enjoy. I, I agree with the messiness. I have some serious issues with this film, but it all comes in the latter act and we'll definitely dive into that. But as a film, I found it really entertaining. Uh, the first time I saw this was at, I guess, the Toronto International Film Festival in 2017. And it was my first time revisiting it. And I got laughed at a lot of the same moments. It has some really sharp commentary going on throughout the film. But there are some aspects of it that for me don't quite work. And I'm not sure from a business standpoint, if releasing it to YouTube or it's on the rights to YouTube was the best thing, because I feel this is a film that probably could have done a lot better if it had received wider distribution. I think so too. It's interesting because before like 
caffeine popped up in Twitch and some of the other formats that the battlers are moving to, this is where their audience watched their battles. You either watch them in person or you watched them on YouTube. So I didn't think it was that big of a, a stretch to release it on YouTube, but also I just didn't know who this film's audience was supposed to be. Like, is it just supposed to be hardcore battle fans or is it supposed to be the introduction to battling for the masses? Because they're not going to find it on YouTube. So I was like, okay, if you're just making a movie for battle rap fans, then you're on a platform they're familiar with. They're on it every day. But if you're trying to break out, which it certainly seemed like with like the first act trying to explain what battle rapping is, which was my least favorite part of the movie. I get that it's necessary, but for me, it was just kind of redundant. And I don't know, it was just, that's part of the unbalanced feel of it. Of who, who did you make this movie for? Because you've got a thousand little cameos of some rappers haven't battled in 10 years and different battle leagues. And they really were like diverse with who they were bringing in. That's a great treat for somebody like me. The average like just viewer, it's got a, tons of just weird one-off lines. Every time they come up to somebody after a battle and say some weird compliment, I knew who he was talking to, but someone who isn't into rap battles wouldn't. So this just is going to seem so chopped together and uneven. I took it more as they were trying to appeal to newbies. That's also why I think the YouTube release is a little weird because yes, you have King of the Dot. You've got a whole slew of, I guess, depending on what area you, you live in, your own version, your own battles, your own leagues that are prominent on YouTube, especially at that time. But for the wider population, I don't think they would really know about rap battles outside of 8 Mile. Yep, 100%. And I felt like this was really trying to attract the crowd that discovered 8 Mile and fell in love with battle rap because of that or just like that type of story. Because everything in terms of how Adam is designed, how they weave in and out of this world is set up to appeal to people who are outside like even someone like me who's followed battle rap somewhat obviously nowhere near the the depth of knowledge that you have there were certain people i picked up there were certain references but then there was other stuff that flew over my head and i'm thinking well there's tons of people who know absolutely nothing and can't see them diving into to youtube to rent this when I saw it with a, an audience in a theater, it was with a lot of journalists who, I can tell you for a fact, don't listen to hip hop music and they were having a blast. Oh, good. Because I always think like for somebody who's not into battles, I would definitely give them 8 Mile as an introduction. Mm -hmm. It just does it more subtly. This came across to me sort of like a term paper. It was just, I think because the character Adam is like writing his thesis on it and he breaks it down like in an intellectual way. You can tell Kid Twist has thought a lot about battle rap and has a lot of complicated thoughts behind it. Yes. But it was interesting to me because I was just, it was just a, such a completely different take of the white rapper trying to get into rap battles. Yeah. And I think Kid Twist's complications with battle rap has been prevalent in a lot of his, his battles. And it really comes through in this film. And I think that kind of adds to some of the problems I have with it. I like that he presents it from an academic level. You have Adam as a graduate student. He's not, a, he's not like Eminem who's down on his luck, you know, living on the wrong side of the tracks, quote unquote. Right. This guy is affluent. He's coming from a place of privilege. He's in love with words and poetry, you know, just like Larson himself wants to, to, to be a writer and has all that kind of going for him. He, but then there's also the side of both Adam and I would say Larson as well, that 
as much as they respect the art form, they kind of think it's silly as well. But at the same time, you know, if we're talking about Alex Larson and Kid Twist, you've capitalized off of that art form to make a movie. He went on to write, be a writer on the show, drop the mic. Oh, yeah. He's doing well. You know, he's a talented guy, but he's doing well. And I know he's working on novels and what have you. So he's made a lot of money off of the same thing that he's turned around and goes, well, this is kind of a silly art form. And with this film, Adam is a complicated character because on one hand, he's a fan of it. He, He wants to show that rap, especially battle rap, can be on par with poetry in terms of how the bars are put together, the type of flow, the wordplay, it's all great. But then at the same time, Adam is somewhat of a villain but the film never really wants to make him the villain. Like it struggles hard to try and redeem him at the end. He is really unlikable. Mm-hmm. He, he's really unlikable. I get where he's coming from. I have a lot in common with him um, as far as the way he thinks about rap and him and uh, Maya, his girlfriend are both so unlikable and they both get obviously a lot of screen time. Maya gets more than I think her character deserves. We spend a lot of time with her. And I get it that you need somebody to sort of guide people who don't know about rap battling into it. But just, I don't know. I just don't, I want to watch his audition be like, what was it that they made him, that they picked this guy as the the lead? Because Kid Twist is not unlikable. He's really like a friendly guy, really personable. I think the same way he got into like TV writing and things is because he, knows how to package this up um, in a way that the masses can like swallow it. They can handle it. He's really commercial, but this like lead character is not. If anything bad happened to this main character, I wouldn't have cared. Yes. There's, there's a point where I think Adam is constantly aware that what he's doing is wrong. Like you even see the, you know, quote unquote thought bubbles that appear where when he's about to drop a, a line, he thinks, well, I shouldn't go personal. Let me not do that. Let me do the good angel. And then he realized, oh, I get more audience reaction if I go personal or if I just go for it. And there's certain battles throughout where you can see he, he pauses, he hesitates. He's like, I don't really want to do this. But then he goes for it anyway, right? Like he, he completely obliterates friendships, loyalties, whatever, just for the fame. So by the end of the film, you know, he's supposed to have quote unquote hit rock bottom, but I don't think he really learns. Like, I feel like he still becomes the king of the underground scene and continues after like I don't feel there's much consequence to his life whereas someone like Ben Grimm who's his mentor there's consequences that's a you know that's a side paycheck that he's not getting anymore right and and I kind of like that because he's coming from a place of privilege he says he respects the culture but hasn't thought of it much from like a realistic point of view like his he's just really studied it but he hasn't lived it. And Mm. so his respect of it comes from like a linguistic side of things, but not from a like realistic, you know, like when Ben Grimm's wife starts lecturing him about, you know, don't come in here and, and tell me what my husband should or shouldn't do to put money on the table. You're coming from a place of privilege. That was my favorite scene of the whole movie, because I think that the respect for the, for, rap in general or hip-hop in general it really is multifaceted it's coming from eight mile touches on this a lot is part of it has to be lived and experienced Uh, you can't really appreciate something on a full level 
until you've been in it. It gets into anthropological studies. How much can you really like respect uh, and understand a community uh, without you know being amongst them? I love that scene as well. And part of what I like about that scene is Ben's wife goes off when he starts bringing in what she calls faux respectability politics. And there's a lot of that throughout the film. And I think that's why Adam and Maya are unlikable and at times annoying characters because they perceive life a certain way, but you realize throughout the course of the film, they don't actually care about being politically correct because of, you know, it's just the right thing to do. And, you know, out of respect for the various cultures, they just want to make sure that they don't see themselves as the villain. You know, Maya said, and her friends, when they're at the, the party scene at his, like his father's house, they're saying a lot of offensive racist stuff, but they don't see it that way. Whereas they get upset at Adam for making a, a remark here or there. But Maya goes to LA because she doesn't want to seem racist for not going. Right. And even while she's there, she's got this constant disdain about the whole thing. And, you know, when she sees, I think it's, um, is it Divine that she, she meets and she, oh, yes. she has this whole, oh, I'm glad there's a woman here because this is oppressive, this and that. And Divine's like, don't look at me as a woman, look at me as a rapper. I can take down any of these guys. You know, like there's certain boxes that Maya and Adam put everyone in and they don't realize that they're doing it because they have the privilege not to. Like, I thought it was funny, Becky, the Asian friend that they that they have. Yes. When things go wrong, she's the one that's leading the, the protest against Adam and, and his racist remarks when she was sitting at the dinner table saying a lot of offensive things as well. Like, there's, there's a level of hypocrisy that happens. And I guess you could say it's a commentary on liberalism, intellectuals, what have you. But just that faux, you know, I'm down for the cause. I'm supporting equal rights, what have you, whereas they're doing it from a, a, a safe distance in a way that really is only about them. They're not really thinking about others. I knew so many people like that. <laughs> Went to school in San Francisco and I knew so many where it's just, that's the personality trait they've latched onto. Like they're a character type in real life. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to be easily offended. Think I have a pass to say whatever I want because I'm so woke. And I loved that in this movie. Like I, it was, it was annoying to watch, but it was in real life too. And anytime they got their like comeuppance, which, which was interesting, I think because they're coming from a place of privilege, they didn't really like once in a while, they would get told to put in their place, but nothing where it made me think that Maya was going to be, you know, a changed character by the end of this. I just picture her still, you know, flaming people on Twitter over, you know, something that she has nothing to do with. I, yeah, I don't feel like she changed. I don't feel anyone in that group changed. Even Adam's father. I don't think he even really cared that much about what his son did or said. It was just, oh, it's going to make me look bad. Right. So we need to suspend you and I can't have you living at the house in case anyone sees you coming out. But he didn't really care. And there's that scene where Adam's quote unquote being punished by, I think it's the, the Dean who he thinks is a nurse just because she's a black woman in a yeah. white outfit. Like there's, there's certain subtle jabs that just shows how clueless Adam is throughout all of this. And this film struggles with the darker side of, of battle rap, the, the side where it pays to, to be as offensive, disrespectful, racist, sexist, what have you. And it, it struggles to kind of balance that while still showing there's a lot of good art to it. There's a, there's a lot of smarts. Like sometimes even in its most offensive moments, there is 
some intellectual things that you can take away. There's, there is a lot of skill and what have you. So I just want to know how you thought it handled that aspect of, of the battle scene, especially like with your, your experiences. Overall, I thought it, I thought it handled it well. It was, it was interesting. Like I grew up a huge hip hop fan. That was primarily what I listened to growing up. I read books about it, just sort of got obsessed with it. Anything I could get my hands on, I was listening to or reading. And then went to college, moved to Utah of all places, started battling and had, you know, a lot of hipster friends who would say, what are you doing? Like, I mean, there were a lot of parallels in this movie to what it was like for me. It was, I remember bringing friends to battles and then just being bewildered, just really just <laughs> didn't know what was going on and like why I was doing this. And the people they were meeting, they were horrified by. They were just like, these are not people we're comfortable with. And it was true. I mean, yeah, I'd bring friends to battles and their fist fights would break out or cops would show up or who knows, like all sorts of stuff would happen that wasn't happening at the other things we were going to. And so it was interesting to like see people be uncomfortable. And then weirdly for me, not being that uncomfortable, not fitting in really, but just I'm more okay with it. I don't know why I, why it wasn't that strange to me, but I thought the film like really handled multiple sides of it. Like they, they, it did show consequences, which like I've seen people get punched in the face and beat up and I was like, okay, those are consequences. And and then the film, it tries to keep it light enough to keep it entertaining. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think it does enough in the 90 minutes it had. I think it's two hours actually. They, um, I think it does enough. I almost got punched in my first battle. Oh, really? One of my first battles. I didn't know till later. I was battling this guy and I said something about his kids. I said, I hope you wake up on Christmas day to find out the feds took your kids away. And then I just kept rapping, but apparently that line like set him off. I don't know what his history with his kids is, but a friend of mine who was hosting the battle said that he had to like talk him down from beating me up. And I think if that had happened, I don't know that I would have ever put out an album ever you know battled again that was certainly like i was just there to make jokes and make people laugh and and it was fun and then this guy white guy with face tattoos just uh, didn't like it <laughs> and now when he sees me like i've done so much more with music and battling than him like he sees me and and he like is like really friendly but through mutual friends he still hates my guts over that one line and i was like you can't take it personally it's battle rap but words have consequences so he absolutely can. He shouldn't. It's like against the unwritten rule. Don't don't take it personal. It's just rap battles. But especially that, like I didn't say his kids' names. I didn't, you know, I, as far as I knew at the time, like he hadn't got his kids taken away. So I thought it was a, a soft punch. Definitely something I, I could have said something like much worse. But it's funny what it was like set people off. Even with that example, you essentially broke an unwritten rule for him. But that unwritten rule could be different for someone else. Totally. The line is is kind of gray. And I think in this film, it does a good job of showing that people have different limits, but when it came to Adam and Ben's friendship, you knew exactly the line. Ben Grimm lets it be known that he may talk a lot about gun shooting and whatnot, because that's what everyone does, but he makes sure to keep it at a certain level. He doesn't go into people's personal life, talk about kids, what have you, and he keeps his personal life under wraps. So they don't know that he's really a video game designer and he's a family man because he wants to keep that separate. But 
you see Adam knows that. And when it comes to him, he, he willingly crosses that line and then uses the, ah, oh, it's, you know, it's battle rap. You can't get mad at me. That was so extreme, though, where I was just like, oh, this kid is ignorant. Mm-hmm. You're battling your friend. Also, these aren't freestyle battles. Like the one I almost got punched in was a freestyle battle. I was just saying whatever came to my, my head. But for... For this, like, he wrote all that stuff down. Like, he was like, oh, his daughter has cystic fibrosis. I'll write about that. Like, at no point did he just say, like, I mean, it's a pre-written battle. Like, I kept thinking, you two could sit down in the same room and write both your battles together. Sort of like um, when Dumbfounded, I forgot what his name is in the film, but Dumbfounded and Divine. Yeah, when they swap roles, I was like, well, you you could just do that. So, like, the whole, like, protege versus the you know, the master, I don't know that, that when you talked about like the third act having some problems, that was one of them for me. Yeah, I I completely agree. I felt that even leading up to that moment when they're just chatting before the battle and Adam is cloaked in red, like, you know, he's quote unquote gone to the dark side and Ben looks at him and realizes that something's not right. And then as the battle starts between them, he can almost pinpoint that moment where Adam's about to ruin their friendship, which Adam proceeds to do. But after that battle, they quickly try to save face by having them team up against 40 Meg and Blunts, which I thought was also kind of pointless because you've established 40 Meg and Blunts as jokesters, hype men, what have you. They are inconsequential for the majority of this film. And then all of a sudden, they're now supposed to be the bad guys. And then, oh, wait, they're not the real big bads because he has to go up against Disaster's character, Megaton. Right. I don't know. The film fell off for me at, at that point. You know, once Adam crosses that line and then it, it, the rest of the film tries so hard to, quote unquote, redeem him. I would have been fine if he was just, they made him the villain. Like he started off idealistic and completely misread battle rap and became a villain. And that was it. But they sure. try so hard to make you want to cheer for him at the end, which I never did. It reminds me a little bit of Larson's life. Some of his battles would reference like how ridiculous this whole thing is. And it's like, but you've made so much fame off of it. Right. So it's just right. that that conflict. I'm, I'm still wrestling with, you know, having seen this now for a second time. Yeah, he, he's definitely like made his money off of it. He made it commercial. And, you know, and I mean, we could get into this, too. Like, I think he was able to make it commercial because he was a young white kid i mean he he understood and i think that i have a lot in common with that i've been able to take rap and make money off of rap because people with money are comfortable with me because i'm nerdy i can repackage rap into you know stuff about star wars or stuff about transformers or you know all these youtubers want to hire me to do not all these but i've been i'm just saying i've been hired to do these nerdy rap projects I mean, we were on America's Got Talent because the producers were like, oh my God, look at these four older white rappers. Have you ever heard of a thing? And when we were talking to the the judges, like Howie Mandel, like literally didn't know another white rapper besides the Beastie Boys. And we've ran into that so many times. Mm-hmm. It was, it's just, uh, they see us, they're like, oh, you are, you are rap, which we are interested in, but you are safe and palatable because you're white and nerdy. And it's, uh, yeah, we run into that a lot. So with Kid Twist, I definitely see a lot in common with him. He thinks about it you can tell he respects it and has done it and probably some of the things he was asked to do on that celebrity show he probably rolled his eyes at and hated because i think he's a like a real fan of 
of hip hop, but also saw his opportunity to make money off of it. And I don't blame him. I don't think there was anything in this movie that like really crossed a line into being offensive, which is why I don't have that many problems with the film outside of structure and, but morally, I think the film like tries to be respectful of, of rap battling and hip hop in general, definitely more than it could have, definitely more than other representations of it that I've seen. Yeah, and I and I agree with that. And the case of Kid Twist and your case, even the character of Adam, the talent is there. It's not even an issue. And I, I completely agree. A lot of the issues I have with this film are more of a structural standpoint. There's one thing I want to get back to that you had mentioned about how Ben Grimm and Adam could have worked together to kind of construct a, a good battle the same way that Divine and Prospect did. And Thinking of that Divine and Prospect scene, it reminded me, I don't know if you saw the documentary Bad Rap. I don't think I've seen that. So it came out in 2016. The director is Samila Horma. It might be on Netflix or Prime, but it's a documentary. Yes, I have seen this. Yes, with Dumbfounded. and Yes, Dumbfounded, Aquafina. So it's a film following Dumbfounded, Aquafina, Lyrics, and I think Rex Dizzy, if I remember correctly, but four Asian rappers and how they navigate the, the industry. One of the things that stuck with me from that documentary was when Dumbfounded was talking about his epic battle with Tantrum, which came yes viral sensation. I think it was literally build Asian versus Asian rap battle. Yes, I think that's how it was put up on YouTube. And for a while, that was like the biggest rap battle video on YouTube. It was like one of the biggest battles. I've seen that battle like 50 times. Um, yeah. I think that pulled in a lot of casual fans into battling. It's a great battle because there's so much skill, the wordplay. When Adam talks about rap being art, this that's an example of it. But in that documentary, Dumbfounded was pointed out something that I didn't realize the, the first gazillion times or whatever that I watched it. He was saying that the parts that got the biggest reaction from the crowd weren't the twist in wordplay, wasn't the skill. It was whenever we hit an Asian stereotype. Yeah, 100%. You know, from then when I went back and watched this, you know, he's so right. You kind of get... You're watching it, you're thinking, oh, yeah, this is great, the wordplay. But when you actually see how the crowd is reacting, the real skill is kind of going over their heads. You know, there's some really brilliant lines that nothing. But then they make a reference about eyes or bad driving and the crowd goes crazy. You know? And then it starts to, you, you start to think about, well, for the battle rap form, can it ever really reach a certain level if that's what people are drawn to the most? Like the the easy gags, the the homosexual joke. Something that I was thinking about watching that Divine Prospect battle. Yeah, it was interesting. And when Divine says that Adam will always get the horny white boy jokes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true. What I really like is when you get two battlers of the same race. It's weird because the dumbfounded and tantrum battle is just really just Asian jokes back and forth um, the whole time. And I bet it was cathartic, sort of the same way embodied with his battle with Divine, you know, where they switch roles and now they get to, it felt like that. There's a battle league called URL and out of New York and predominantly black, maybe 85%, 90% black, which uh, like King of the Dot is definitely closer to like 50, 50 white, maybe 75, 25 white. Grind time out of the Bay Area or LA was maybe 50, 50, definitely nerdier. But URL, it's interesting because you've got almost just solely black versus black battlers. So the black jokes don't really come up as much. 
because they aren't talking about the differences between them racially. So you have to go to a higher level, I think, lyrically in a lot of ways. It's just different. You just call out things that are different between you two. And it, with URL, there's a lot of gun bars. Like that line at the beginning of this movie, like just assume that everything is a gun metaphor. <laughs> that God, that's true, especially with, with Smack. I think that's where you get into not being able to just drop the easiest jokes and get a crowd reaction from it. And with the assume everything is a gun reference, there's always been a certain level of posturing in hip hop music. I, I would argue there's posturing in hair metal and sure. every, every style of music. But if you took out that from battle rap, thinking of like some of the people that you've encountered, even looking at some of the people that are some of the characters in this film, do you think there would be a significant drop off in terms of the people that could actually do it? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, if you took out the the posture you're saying if you took out the you took that out from battle rap i think oh that's a great question because then you start getting into you you're just leaving the poetry behind and there is like a you know a slam poetry beat poetry you know community out there that's i think probably very different in many ways from the average like rap battle community member yeah, I don't know. I, I think that if you were to, you would almost just take out battling. Like, I don't know what, you'd have to find something else to battle about. How many multisyllabic rhymes can you fit together? Like, it would maybe become more technical. Yeah. That's a great question. I don't really know. They're so hand in hand with each other. Yeah, and I'm not saying that, you know, everything needs to be like conscious rap. Even in prepping for the show, I was kind of revisiting some of my favorite battle raps and then just a few others that have gone on over the years and there were certain artists guys like dumbfounded kid twist disaster yeah i could see these guys being able to rap about anything and then there were certain artists who was like wow you've made eight gun references and you've said a whole lot of nothing outside of that so i just wonder yeah i think definitely there are there are differences <laughs> there's sort of just a running joke that battle rappers can't make an album to save their life there are very very few battle rappers that have crossed over to have mainstream success so you've got eminem who was able to do both. There was Cannabis in the 90s, was doing battles and made big albums. But then he, oh my God, if you haven't seen it, Cannabis comes out of rap battle retirement maybe four years ago. Battles disaster. It's billed as like the biggest thing ever. And you just watch Cannabis, this legend, battled LL Cool J, is just known for like on his albums, like so lyrical. And, and then he just chokes completely in the main event of this pay-per-view, pulls out a notebook, starts reading off the notebook. Even the stuff on the notebook isn't that good and just completely bombs and really puts an end to this idea of people who make albums can be the same as people who make good battles. And Disaster murdered him. Disaster came with like 40 minutes of prepared material and Choke or No Choke just really just tore into him. It was really, yeah, it was really, really interesting. Which is another thing too, is with battles, like you get into this area of this is, and I thought about this a lot when I was, was rapping, like this is forever. This is on the internet. It doesn't go away. And I was always very conscious not say anything that was going to haunt me later on. But even then, I mean, I've got sexist jokes, um, you know, just mean things that I've said where I'm just now I've started to get jobs and the word will get out that the, these battles exist and you know, I've got all these jokes about fucking someone's mom and now my bosses will see it or my family will see it. And I was just like, thank God I wasn't worse. It's just like, <laughs> I mm -hmm. was 
conscious enough of it to always draw the line of what I felt was appropriate or, or what I felt wasn't. And But there are battlers bomb so badly and it's filmed for people. I, I mean, I always tell this story, but I was filming a battle for the league I was rapping with. I said, oh, I'll, I'll be the cameraman. So they handed me the camera. I'm filming this kid. I'd never seen him battle before. He was probably like 19, 20, somewhere around there. Young, timid kid. He starts rapping and you can tell, you can see it in the rapper's eyes like when they forget what they wrote. And they're like, oh God, now I guess I'll try to freestyle and maybe it will come back. There's no stopping and gathering your thoughts. It just has to be, you just have to keep going. So he starts rapping and it goes, he takes a hard left turn and all of a sudden drops a line about how he he himself got molested by his cousin and like fear in his eyes and I'm putting the camera in his face and I just, why would you say that? Mm -hmm. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what, second round, same thing happens. He stumbles, he chokes. I don't even remember what the second thing he said was, but it was just as bad as that one. And the crowd was like, oh my God, stop. Why are you, you're not battling yourself. You're giving out way too much personal information. And we all collectively know that this is forever on the internet. I wanted to put the camera down. It was really hard to film that. You're immortal if you're good and you're immortal if you're bad. And you just have to live with it for the rest of your life. It's really stressful. Battle rap is freestyle is stressful. Writtens are stressful. Knowing that that lives forever, pretty terrifying. As a rap fan, this question is not really about the movie. It's just more about rap in general. Because I know you even wrote a, a brilliant song about it. The art of freestyle. Do you say it's dead? Do you say only a small percentage can, can do it now? It's definitely not a skill that new era rap fans try or rappers try to master at all. In battles, it's always great. And they talk about this in the film. They'll have flips. Somebody's rapping against you and, and they say a great line that gets a big crowd reaction. One of the ways to diffuse that is to take what they said, build on it and throw it right back at them I'm at the beginning of your verse. And that I've done. And that's, you know, it's freestyle-ish. You know, it's not pre-written. Uh, you're just sort of scrambling and putting something together in seconds. Everybody, you know, cries about the death of freestyle rap, but also I've been in a lot of rap battles that were freestyle and 99% of everything they said to me was like, you suck dick. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like so lowest common denominator, just garbage, not worth listening to. The top guys, the juices, the supernaturals, the M&Ms, the top guys who could freestyle, it's amazing, a great skill to have, but I am so over listening to to people who can't do it, try to do it. I'd much rather than cobble something together over three weeks about the opponent they know they're going to face. My rap was certainly better when I when I got to write them. Yeah, you definitely want them to to fine tune the craft before they just throw out any. It's it's hard enough. Like a lot of them aren't that good at writing, so they're definitely not going to be good, that good at freestyling. But it's weird writing too. It puts you in a. This is something that I wish had been touched on more in the film. Was it really puts you in a negative headspace? For me, it affected my life outside of music. It, you know, these were friends of mine that I was rapping against. The second the battle was announced, we weren't friends anymore. And you just, any thought you had about them was, how can I turn this into something mean about them? And it's just not a great space to be in for anybody. Definitely affected me. 
you can't trust people. You can't, you can't really like talk to them. It's pretty interesting. When I stopped doing battles, it was a good feeling, sort of a weight off my shoulders. But I got a lot of acclaim doing them. And a lot of people yell at me when they're driving their car down the street and like, remember who I am and remember lines I said or battles I had. And so it was, I think, worth it overall, but I don't, I don't miss it. And for some of those friends that you had to battle, were some of those friendships were you able to salvage some of them or was it just kind of, well, now that we've done this, we really can't. Once the battle was over, we were back to normal. Yeah. I think because we had the next opponent that we were thinking about. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, I've never had anybody say something to me in a battle that crossed a line. I don't even know what that would be. And I don't think I ever said, besides that first guy who wanted to like punch me, I don't think I've said anything that crossed the line. I don't know. I battled this guy, Cadillac Ron, who was a big rapper. And I think he had passed away by the time this movie was made because he would have been in it. But I remember battling him and just rap. He was addicted to heroin. And I just remember going in on that hard and we were fine. That was sort of his though. That was sort of his Asian jokes. (laughs) Oh yeah, I shoot heroin. I rap about it. You can rap about it. It's not going to hurt my feelings. But yeah, I don't think I've ever crossed a line with somebody because it was never worth it to me. And that was sort of the thing with Adam in the movie where it's just, oh, you're 100% willing to cross the line. If he's really watched as many rap battles as they said he did, and he had now battled himself, he should have known that he was going to cross the line. Bringing up people's kids is a known line that maybe you have to be careful about crossing. If they had gotten in a fight before the battle, that seems more natural to me. If I were writing the movie, I would have them get in a fight about something before, and then he decides to use all this like ammo. But the he's my friend before the battle. He's going to be my friend after the battle. I didn't know what Adam's motivation was for going that hard at him. Because I wouldn't go that hard against my friends. And I'd be mad if they went that hard against me. So I didn't really understand like why he was already like getting a claim. He was already, uh, I don't know. It just, that part didn't make sense to me. And like what you were saying, like the third act has a lot of problems. There was a point in the film where you think they would set up as Megaton being the, the bad guy, because you have the whole thing with Che sleeping with Megaton's girlfriend. Right. And Adam's the one who flares up a situation that Ben Grimm is working super hard to defuse because Adam's at first very afraid that these guys with guns are showing up. And then when he realizes that they're going to sell it via battle rap, he starts mouthing off like, oh, my goodness, that's that's not how you do it. I thought you guys were going to be shooting up. Great scene. I really loved that. scene. (laughs) I was like, oh, I know that guy. That even that might be me. I might do that. It is ridiculous to settle that in a rap battle. Rap battle is kind of ridiculous. I respect it, but it is just like, I'm going to talk a lot of shit about you, but it's going to rhyme at the end of each sentence. That's what I kind of loved about this film, though, because there's so much talk about gunplay, gun violence. And then when you actually think you're going to get that, they're like, no, no, we're going to do this via battle rap. But I just thought that, I don't know, I thought they would have used, found a different route to get the Adam Megaton battle opposed to him completely ruining his friendship with his mentor and then kind of fumbling his way into a, a Megaton battle. Yeah, it's weird. You've got him battling Ben Grimm. The friendship is ruined. To me, that should have been the main event. That was the most interesting battle. Now you move into the two-on-two so that you can lazily undo what what you just did. Now you've moved to pre-written, into freestyle, into this isn't even a battle. He's like, one guy's just rapping by himself. Yeah, it just kind of falls apart. There were a lot of good lines and like good jokes throughout all of that. 
Um, yes i thought like the actual writing of the battles were good uh, but yeah just a little strange one last thing i wanted to ask you about was what did you think about the film just from a visual perspective because joseph khan throws in a lot of little special effects you know a lot of gun flashes to evoke the the gunshot there's the the good angel bad angel boxes that adam you know breaks in his mind i just want what did you think of those little things did you think it was too much or no i really liked them i thought those were really strong because if you're it almost works even if you know that about rap battles i'm just trying to think like how do you show what's going on in his head i would much rather have them just with that little graphic you go do you open up the folder that's personal or the folder that's too personal much rather than him in his head talking to himself should i rap about his daughter oh i don't know i'm feeling unsure it's hard everything's happening so quickly how do you like slow down and show what he's struggling with? I thought it was great. I'd honestly love to see those type of graphics in regular rap battles. I think that could be a huge addition to things. I thought it, it looked good. Um, I think Joseph Kahn has like a really good style. He came up doing hundreds of music videos for people. And then he did that movie Detention. And actually Organic was in that one. I think Dumbfounded was in Detention. Yeah, Dumbfounded was definitely in it. Yeah. And so I thought that was a cool movie. And I thought it looked good i thought the whole movie looked good i enjoyed it as well like i liked how he was mixing it up at first i was like oh you're gonna just do you know neon tvs and gun flashes but then there's the part where at the dinner scene where he's like literally showing you the words as he's breaking it down in his mind yeah. and then as we said there's the bots like there was a there was enough variety I almost kind of wish there was a, a little bit more in, in some of the battles, like the one that they had at the, I guess when they were in LA and they're not rat infested. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That scene where they're low, some kids scrape money together and want to try to be a promoter. That was the most accurate line since everything's a gun metaphor. Like I was like, <laughs> Oh, I know those battles super well. And then they had Andy Milanakis show up as the, the kid with the money. And yeah, it was so funny. That was very accurate. So yeah, overall, kind of a messy film, but it was fun to watch. Yeah, definitely one that I would say equally offends everyone. You're going to probably be offended at some points, but you're also going to laugh at points. It's you know not a perfect film, but it's definitely one that I have enjoyed revisiting and I will definitely revisit again. Scott, thank you very much for coming on this show. I know you're in the middle of album mode right now, so yes. I know you can't divulge too much, but you know a rough estimate of when you think it might be dropping? I'm hoping mid-December. That's the goal. I've got Kai, who you know, is doing my album artwork, and the album is called Season 4, and I've got um, Zion I from Oakland um, is on the album, uh, another guy from Oakland, Infamous Taz. A lot of my friends are doing guest features on it. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I've probably got about 85% of the vocals recorded and the features are coming in. My DJ has put cuts on a few of the songs and it's all coming together. I'm, it's been too long since I've done a, an album. It goes by really quickly between all the other stuff. We did America's Got Talent and right after that, Gnarly came out and then I was exhausted and career changes and life happens. And so it was about time. Corona uh, has some silver linings, I guess. So now we're getting a new album. Where can listeners find you? So if you look up Rhyme Time on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, you can find all that stuff. The reason I changed my name from Atheist to Rhyme Time is when Spotify came around, I put up my uh, album Topanga and it showed up under this very famous metal band named Atheist that I had never heard of before. So it showed up on their Spotify page, which must have just made so many people mad. 
because it is the least metal sounding album ever. And <laughs> so I made the change to Rhyme Time and been doing that ever since. Excellent. Uh, listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Small Mind, or if you want to contact the show directly on Twitter, you can contact us at Changing Reels AC. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, you can change the conversation on diversity in cinema one reel at a time.